I am delighted to be here, and I'm delighted to see you who have chosen to stay and pray and see what God's going to do in a mighty way right here. If you could turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5, 2 Kings chapter 5, and first of all, when Kim and I first came to town here, we had a first grade son and a four-year-old daughter and we enrolled them at East Bay. Calvary had a, 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 a Christian school called Traverse Bay Christian School, just down at the bottom there where Walgreens is at. And Kim and I were actually the volunteer gym teacher for that. And, um, and we played lots of dodgeball. And we knew how to do that. And uh, my wife traumatized a generation of young men. What happened was that she played varsity softball for uh, high school and college and all of that. And when we played dodgeball, it would always be the boys against the girls. And she would just get up and just mow those boys down. (laughs) Kind of like Elf with a Snowball. And so I've been meaning to apologize to you all for this, uh, uh, that happening here. And... Um, another thing I want to tell you what I'm about excited in the ministry been in a long time I actually had my first church ministry in 1978 where I was a volunteer youth uh, leader at a Spanish-speaking church in downtown Grand Rapids and been in the ministry ever since Um, a couple things I'm really excited about first of all and I think about it when I I come into this space because uh, 27 years ago I volunteered uh, to lead Bible studies at the Grand Traverse Jail with Chaplain Hall and Jamie Hall, and I've been doing that ever since, uh, actually. And, uh, and we just recently had the opportunity, now that COVID is slowing down, to be back in the jail doing Bible studies and just in honor of uh, Chaplain Hall and Jamie. I'm glad to be doing that. I'm about on Tuesday night to do my third time in on my rotation to do a Bible study. Another thing I'm really excited about is uh, now that I'm in my 60s, I really wanted to focus a little bit more on uh, missionary work. So for the, I've been to um, Guatemala nine times in the last little recent bit of history. And we've been uh, down there taking medical teams in, or doctors, nurses, in a, in a region there. And uh, I was in a town called San Marjita Sus, and we were up there in picture volcanic region, coffee plantations, very narrow roads, you know, donkeys with bamboo on the back of them, uh, indigenous people, just incredible. We're in this building, this guy, his name is Diego, says to me, Tim, this is six years ago, he says, I'm glad you're bringing nurses and doctors here, but he starts crying, we want our own. We want our own. And this taught me a big lesson. Listen to what God is doing and not what you were planning, right? We want our own. We want our own. And, and he says, we have property right here. Wouldn't it be incredible to build a nursing school? So in May, I just recently got back from Guatemala, and um, we celebrated the grand opening of that nursing school. And it's kind of like one of the most incredible joys of my life to actually see it happen and and uh, there'll be when i'm long gone they'll be training nurses in a christian school in guatemala to care for their own people 
I'm reading from the English Standard Version, so if you have little phone apps, you can switch it to that or whatever. And I'll start with verse 1. This is a very familiar passage here, very familiar. And uh, Nahum, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of these raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel and she worked in the service of Nahum's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure her of his leprosy. So Nahum went in and told uh, his Lord thus and so and spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 changes of clothes, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, you know that I have sent to you Nahum, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of leprosy. Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. And when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Nahum came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Nahum was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand, you know, magic. Anyway, wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. And not Albana and Farfar, I have no idea what that, how to say those two rivers' names, the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel. Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, is it a great word? The prof- if, it, if it, it is a great word that the prophet has spoken to you, will you not do it? He actually said to you, Wash and be clean. So he went down, dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. He was clean. I, first of all, I want to start with the easy lessons, the grasp from 2 Kings chapter 5, and then I want to go from the hard lessons, the grasp. I'd like to, first of all, begin quickly and go right through the easy lessons. The first lesson is no matter how powerful, mighty we think we are, we're all vulnerable, every last one of us. Each one of us are just humans, flesh and blood. We are not, um, we're, we are just one phone call away from a bad diagnosis, right? We're one phone call away from a disaster. Each one of us are broken and hurting. Without God, life will break every one of us. Now, my wife is sitting over here. 20 years ago, on August 3rd, 2000, 
and two, she got that phone call. I had been out doing a wedding rehearsal at uh, Crystal Mountain Ski Hill, coming back on my motorcycle, and a car ran a stop sign, and everything changed in my life. Suddenly, it was a helicopter ride. Eight months of being in the hospital bed, many broken bones, no option but God. All of us are just one moment away from that, from that phone call, that place. Another easy lesson was that he was a leopard. I've actually seen leprosy. The first time I saw it, I was in Nepal, and I am walking down the streets of Kathmandu, and I come across a beggar and nobody has to tell me he's a leopard. First of all, the smell hits you. It's a terrible, awful disease that affects your nerve endings and you no longer have the sensation of pain. And because of that, you can't fight off anything. You're walking on stuff that will cut you up and you don't know it. it you'll, you'll burn yourself, you'll get infections. It's a terrible, the, 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 the smell of cells that hits you, first of all, when you look at the individual, you see the patchy white and all that, and immediately nobody had to tell me, that's leprosy. But I saw it. And it's an incredible picture of sin, because back in Jesus' day, when they were a leper, they had to walk around and call out what? Unclean! Unclean, right? Nahum, that mighty, powerful warrior, he was unclean. He was doomed. It was completely unfixable. And that's the most beautiful picture of sin. We're like that, right? When I come apart from God and, and I meet my eternity without God, I, I have no, nothing in my resume that allows me to get into heaven. I'm doomed, I'm helpless, it's unfixable and it's awful. Apart from the grace of God, we are doomed. Every last one of us that have put their faith in Jesus Christ were rescued. It's a beautiful picture of sin. I love the verse that says from Isaiah, come, and I hate to bring up snow, but I will at this moment, come, let us reason together. Say it with me. Though our sins be like scarlet, they shall be as white as... That's what we need. We need that. Another easy lesson. Before I get into the hard ones. Elisha didn't even bother to come out. Now what do you suppose that? The guy pulls up in his chariot with all of his gold and his silver and he, probably a huge entourage of people. He'd just been up and, you know, he went and saw the king first. He didn't actually come to Elisha first. Go to the king. I want to be healed. The king had the proper reaction to leprosy. Oh, no! Elisha said, come on down, come on down. The guy comes on down. And Elisha doesn't even come out. Easy lesson. And we, the Church of America, need to learn this one. It's about God and not his servants. In America, we tend to take on almost a pastoral idolatry 
And we go to church because of somebody instead of someone, right? We go to church because of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and we are a community that believes that God has saved us by grace and we're committed to one another, right? At the end, Nahum, what does he do? He doesn't worship Elisha. Who's he worship? God. That's what we want to do. That's an easy lesson. Another important lesson is pride can make us miss our miracle, right? Pride can make us miss our miracle. Offense taken by Nahum. He just, Elijah didn't see him you know, directly, he's taken that offense. Then he asked him to, to, to get dunked in the dirty river Jordan seven times. Name's pride was about to explode. You know, just, by the way, you can tell how prideful you are when you're mistreated by others, right? I know I am like that. I don't like a grumpy clerk or a grumpy whatever or cut off in traffic. I, at my church, there's a whole bunch of people there, right? And, and, and I, am, I don't put a fish on my car because oftentimes I don't represent the Lord in my driving, right? So I, I you know, and I was out on, um, over there by... Uh, South Airport, going down the road there. I must have been weaving in. I don't know what I was doing wrong. Somebody got really mad at me. Their lights are blinking, right? Yeah, they were offended by me. Then they come up beside me and they flip me off and I look over at her and I realize I'm your pastor. <laughs> right? In our culture, we take offense so easy, so quick to be angry until you realize that's your pastor driving like that, right? <laughs> pride, pride, don't you treat me like that. Uh, I'm better than that. I'm, I, I'm all those kind of things, right? God will often ask you to humble yourself, to be healed. James, you know, we're supposed to confess our sins, what? One to another so that we may be healed. We're supposed to be a confessional community of broken people, vulnerable in a limited kind of way to one another. A related lesson that goes along with that is God refuses to work according to your expectations. <laughs> Don't you like, I like to write down the shopping list. Okay, God, I'm praying this, do this. He looks down at my shopping list and says, uh, sorry, kid. My life has not turned out how I dreamed or how I planned. But according to the will of God, The journey that I have been on, it's totally different than what I expected as that young Bible college graduate back in the day. But it's better than what I knew. Nahum wanted Elijah to come out 
and have like a grand entrance. I already mentioned it a little bit. And like wave his hand over him. Da, 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 da. I don't know what he wanted him to do. Like, and then like sparks fly out of his hands and, and he goes, waves over the spot and you're healed, right? And then let me give you all this money. I'll pay you for this miracle like some kind of magician. God does not do magic trips for you. Satan can bend spoons. But our God, in the beginning, made the heavens and the earth. He doesn't do things according to our expectations. By the way, I've been to the River Jordan. Kim and I, we went on a trip to Israel with GTI. I don't know if you're familiar with that organization, if you want an educational trip in Israel, it's awesome. We were there with a group of individuals. I, I always think of Israel as a dry, humid, a dry, hot place, right? While we were there, it was raining and raining and raining. Spectacular, right? We get to this waterfalls and in Getty, and it's like, <laughs> like, oh, it's a torrent, right? We are experiencing Israel at its wet best, right? And we go to the River Jordan, right? And the River Jordan is just roaring. <laughs> And people, because we're in Israel, this is where Jesus was baptized, we want to get baptized in the River Jordan, right? And there was a name for that. And so I, I'm out there, by the way, this motorcycle accident lent my hands not to be the greatest hand person on the planet. And, but I'm out there doing that, and I'm holding on to people as the River Jordan is whipping by. The only person I lost was my wife. I'm sorry about that. They had to uh, run out into the river and pull her out of the current. And, and uh, uh, can you imagine? Nam goes to that river and they're like, this is so dumb. By the way, pay attention. The servants, another related point before I get into this. Listen to humble people. The servants, they say, come on. I'll talk about this more in a minute, but where did he nab the girl from? Israel, right? These might be Israelite guys. These might be Jewish guys. Just imagine this. One day their boss comes to and says, pack everything up. We're going to Israel. Who would have been really happy about this? They servants, possibly, right? And we're going to go see Elijah? <laughs> and we're going to go out there, and we'll go up to Jerusalem, see the king, and these guys might have been on a home journey. They might have been the happiest of the crew, the servants. These might have been men of God. We don't know, right? But they say to him, come on. Do this. I have many hum humble people in my life that I deeply love. I just want to mention one of them, Scotty. We lost him this year. He's my cousin. He's one year younger than me. He was born with something similar to Downs, but always been the most humble, gracious, God-bearing, praise-loving, 
<laughs> never got into a gossip fight in his life person. Always loving, always kind. And I learned more about the kingdom of God from him than I did from my Bible professors. So Nahum goes down there, and he's like, I can picture it like this. I'm a storyteller, I apologize. You're getting stories today. Right? He goes down, he goes, what? <sighs> nothing, nothing. Twice, nothing, nothing, right? I'm going to do it. Three times, nothing, Wait. Four times, no. He's so mad, right? He's throwing rocks out of the Jordan at those servants, right? <sighs> Five times, right? Six times, this is so bad, I'm going to go and shoot that Elisha, right? Right? Seven times he comes up and he's like, wow. What a miracle. Now the hard lessons. Did Elijah did Nahum deserve this miracle? I'm going to ask that again. Did this guy do anything worthy of a miracle from God? I hope you're all saying no, right? I, let me prove it to you. Now, the Syrians are one on one of the raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. This sounds like a modern news story. Syrians taking people into captivity and enslaving them. He was a trafficker in the terms that we'd use nowadays. This was not a good man. This is not a good person. He's a slave trafficker, and he had trafficked this little girl. I, I picture it like this. Forgive me for my imagination. But his wife is hearing that he's going off to Israel and he's going to do his raiding. And hey, could you bring back some, you know, whatever it might be that I need this food for my kitchen? Why not? They're literally going into a little town and they're raiding it and they're stealing their food and they're stealing their livestock and they have some things that they need to bring back. And the wife said, you mind bringing back a little girl? I could use somebody to help in the kitchen. Picture that. This is the kind of person we're talking about. The little girl was treated like a new microwave and swept away from everything she knew and taken to Syria. Now, I've been to Uganda twice. I was sent there one time, and there was a project going on, and I was sent back for the graduation of this project. It was like a school that was being built in an orphanage in Uganda. Uganda, I don't know if you guys remember the Lord Resistance Army, Joseph Kony, terrible, evil person, right? Awful, created giant orphanages over there. And I was sent back to for the grand opening of this orphanage. And by the way, I'm not very helpful. If you want me to build something at your house, I'll come over and eat your pizza. Anyway, Ed, <laughs> uh, wherever I go, I do the same thing. 
I drink coffee, talk with people, and pray. That's it. And, right? That's just this, this my life. I'm a professional coffee drinker. And I'm over there, and I can do one thing. I, I, I'm, I can draw cartoons. I can draw pictures. So the Ugandan kids, there's in this orphanage of 750 people. I'm drawing them pictures, and what, this one gal is over here, and, and she follows me everywhere I go from the orphanage. She's, she was a very tall, tribal-looking Ugandan. I knew she was from a different region, you know, and, and, and uh, she sends me a note through somebody else who's afraid to talk to me, but she, she brings the note over, and I read about the fact that she'd lived up near the Sudan border, Sure enough, she was from a tribal region. And um, the, the, the resistance army came across, and I won't go into the whole story, but everybody in her family had been killed. And then she, as a little girl, was stripped naked, sent into the outback by these evil warriors just to die out there. She was found by a woman who took her to her house and made her a personal slave. She actually didn't live in the house. She lived in like an outbuilding and she worked at the person's house. When I was in um, Uganda, I met a woman by the name of Betty who will have more trophies in heaven than anybody I know. So what Betty did, by the way, picture Betty taller than me, wider shoulders than me, right? This is a big woman, right? A very big Ugandan. And what she did along with a group of other ladies is they would go around Uganda where this was happening. It was against the law in Uganda to have slaves, but people do it anyway right now. And she would show up, read the, bust into their house, read the law to them, and take whoever they had in slavery and set them free. Betty! I want you to remember this name. Betty! She was awesome. She's a picture of Christ who's come down to set the captives free. I heard these Ugandan children singing songs about them. We should be like Africans. Whatever they love, whatever they enjoy, they sing a song about it. They make it up. Right? And I heard it. They sang songs about Betty who had rescued them. And this is what happened to Christine. Don't you just want Betty to show up at Nam's house? To burst in, right? Stand on his neck and say, you're giving me back this little girl? Aren't we all waiting for a rescuer? Who sets everything right? Aren't we? That's what I'd like. That would be a good movie. Close your eyes and let me tell you the story. This little girl, she hears screaming and hollering. She was off gathering water for her family. And suddenly she realizes her village is filled with horses and chariots. And she's running for cover when a horse comes by and she's grabbed by the collar and lifted up on the horse. And this horse rides up to a chariot where a man is just standing still. And this guy says, will this one do? Yeah, she looks great. And she's bound and thrown in back of the chariot and taken back to Syria. That's the kind of experience this little girl had. 
So I want to ask you the question, how did this little girl keep her faith and care enough to tell her slave owner, lady of the house, about the prophet Elisha? How did she do it? Uh, by the way, we as Christians don't believe in karma, do we? We don't. We don't believe in karma. The Bible says, whatever a man sows, he will reap. Therefore, you and I need a savior who gives us grace, forgiveness, and a divine rescue. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God, right? I am glad that I will not receive everything I deserve according to my sins. Karma would say, Nam, may you get what you deserve. May you die slowly and painfully. Excuse me, I'm old school and still read out of notes and have nothing in back of me supporting me, right? How, despite her awful circumstances, did she hold on to her faith? How do we hold on to our faith in a culture that is anti-faith? Nam worship Raymond. Our culture worships other gods. Just pick about pleasure, whatever it might be. We do. This culture, how do we hold on to our faith? Listen to the, I want to tell you how I think the little girl was like the prophet Jeremiah. This I call the mine. Why? And therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. We need to remember what God has done in our life. We need to remember. We need to remember about the, you're going to do communion today. How beautiful is that? It's a remembrance service about the death of Jesus Christ, whose body was broken for you, whose blood was shed for you. We need to remember. We need to call to mind. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget about the answered prayers in your life, about what God has done in your life, about the day you accepted the Lord. By the way, I have a very good storyteller mother can tell right and and my mama would tell me over and over about the day I became a believer don't forget I think she might have had a community I had mentioned that already uh, we talk you know those guys that had talked to Nam, and they were so excited probably to go back but you need a community that's how we survive in this environment we need one another. She also refused to hate. Bitterness, grudge holding, unforgiveness is not our native language, is it? You are not given the option as believers to hate somebody and to hold on to unforgiveness and to be bitter. This is not an option that we have because we are saved by grace through faith. When she saw the pain that the lady of the house had, and over her sick master, her tender little heart was turned to mercy. Mercy is our native tongue. Love is our native tongue. Grace is our native tongue. Hate is not an option. She told the story of the prophet Elisha. I want to read from the Amplified Bible, a verse. But I say to you, love. That is, unselfishly seek the best or higher good for your enemies. 
Think of who your enemy is right now, physically speaking. How are you going to love him this week? Brooker T. Washington. I shall allow no man to belittle my soul by making me hate them. One of the beauties at the age that I am at is that I've heard people that are just legends now. I have listened to the stories of Holocaust survivors. I've listened to the stories of men who were at D-Day. And I remember as a child sitting in a room listening to Corey Ten Boon talk. I just want to read this little thing in conclusion that she wrote. It was 1947 and had come from Holland to defeat Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth they needed most to hear in this bitter, bombed out land and I gave them my favorite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind. I, I like to think that uh, that's where forgiven sins were thrown. We confess our sins, I said. God cast them in the deepest ocean, gone forever. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence, and silence collected the wraps, and silence left the room. And that's when I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment, I, I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with its scrawl, skull and crossbones. It came back to me with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensburg concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me. Hand thrust out, a fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that, as you said, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so goodly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than to take the hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among thousands of women? But I remembered him in the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors. And my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensburg in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard in there. No, he did not remember me. But since this time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again, the hand came out, will you forgive me? And I stood there, I whose sins had every day to be forgiven could not. Betsy had died in that place, and could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It, 
could not have been more than many seconds that I stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thought I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that the message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If we do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus said, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. I knew it was only a commandment of God, but a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness remain invalids. It was simple and horrible as that. As I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart, but forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will and the will can function regardless of the temptation of the heart. Jesus, help me! I prayed. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. So woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me and as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into my joined hands and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother. I cried with all my heart. May we live as powerfully as this little girl did. Though no matter the circumstances, no matter the harm, no matter the pain, may we still have the grace to direct others to the source of healing. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come before you. We're going to celebrate communion as one. As we've looked at this story and focus in particular on the little girl, there's awful things that have happened to each and every one of us. But as believers, it doesn't define us. It's not who we are sorrows and pains or scars that we have. We're not to fail, defined by our losses and our brokenness, but we're defined by our Savior and our hope. Dear Lord, as we look to the cross, may we know that our job in this life is to just keep pointing. Just keep pointing. The next one to you in your name.